dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. Pirates, vandals of Volcano Mountain, whatever it is, I will take them down. Because I am in a mood. I need to get something done, you know what I mean? Stone Groove, my man. You are the most righteous. Yeah, right. Just get the fuck out, man. Let's go. Shit. Come on. And welcome to another episode of the Douglas Old Sessions Extra Time. I am the better looking of the hosts, Dan Flanagan. I'm joined as always by the slightly better looking, but more satirically. Sator- I can never say this bloody word. <laughs> better to rest. James J. Colson. What is your middle name, by the way? Anthony. And so it's James A. Coulson. I think yes. that should be your pen name. Yeah, okay. But it's not bad, actually, is it? I think I, I started for a long time. I didn't like the name James. Yeah. Uh, which is why I go by Jim, which I think actually probably would change now if I change back if I if I could. And Anthony always thought, oh, that's terrible. But, yeah, it's just a certain sort of dignity to that, isn't there, that I really should not have. I do, I do not deserve at all. Dr. James A. Coulson, PhD, MA, RAC, AA. <laughs> I, I think, anyway, this is 60 Minutes of Fathered Funk and Foolishness, a relevant chat ideas for the pub, the WhatsApp group, the school group, or wherever you might need some comedy, some thoughtful introspection to share with another human being. Myself and Dr. James A. Coulson are at your service. James, how are you? The surgery is open, which is ironic, really, because um, we've both been on our sick beds separately. Uh, yeah, over you've got to be lurgy. Yeah, this is the thing. We've talked about this. We've, you know, we've worked together for many, many years, never actually met in person. But I did manage to give you an illness through the internet the other day when we spoke. So Computer virus. Yeah, that's impressive, right? That's or how was it, it the white powder that you sent through the post? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. Oh, you got that. Okay. <laughs> you did. It wasn't just your dandruff, was it? No, I was hoping that uh, I'd be able to cancel this appointment, but you've turned up. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> you can get me by phone or fax. Or... <laughs> but what illness did you have? In well, in our household, yeah, we're big fans of the vintage stuff, you know, like yeah. mid-century things, olden days things. That's what we do in this household. And so I thought what I'd do is go for the perfect retro illness of COVID nineteen. And um, that already sounds out of date, doesn't it? It should be COVID twenty three, or you know, yeah. just update the branding. Poor New show. and improved. <laughs> it is so, isn't it? It's slightly. You've had it before, haven't you? Yeah, I had it before a couple of years ago, and I was trying to work out whether it was... I think it was worse this time. But I, t- I spoke to you on Thursday. We're, we're doing this on the Tuesday, and I just tested positive. And I, I felt... I didn't feel too bad. I was you all right. You look like shit, though. Thanks. Cheers for that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as the day went on, all of a sudden, like, I was like, I can't do anything. And I just, I'd never go to bed in the day. And I'm self-employed, so I tried to work through everything, but I just couldn't. I had to stop and just go, no, it's not. I'm sorry, I can't do anything. So what did that mean to the, the family unit? Because you are intricate into the runnings of a smooth household with small children, aren't you? Yeah, well, it is, it's really annoying. Because, yeah, the small children, they've all got other things to do. They've got yeah. to get to school, get back from school. Uh, my wife's got things that she needs. Seth's got football. Seth's got football, yeah, football practice on a Saturday, football game on the Sunday. My daughter had her brownie sleepover, so she had to go to the brownie hut on Saturday night and come back on Sunday morning, but that was during the football. So we've got some friends who I have had to lean very heavily on from socially distanced point of view um and ask them to do stuff because yeah we were talking about this before we recorded technically you don't have to stay in anymore you just treat it like another illness now i don't think for the first few days i really could have gone anywhere i wasn't in a fit state to do it but you know now i suppose i could i'm probably still infectious and i don't want to give anyone this um so i'd rather not go out and do that so yeah or lick strangers as you said well you know sometimes you just get the urge to lick a stranger (laughs) 
but not in the court case. But actually, on, on that, this is vaguely connected. So a week last Saturday, we went to see a band called The National, big indie heroes. Um, they were playing in Leeds. Where do you stand at there? Do you stand at the back or did you stand at the National front? Hey! Oh, very good. Um, interestingly. Uh, it wasn't a race eight million. Well, no, it wasn't that. Um, Tony from Terrorvision, the uh, Bradford Rockers, I saw him on Twitter. He'd been to see the same gig, and he was like, I'm a bit more of a rocker than these guys. I'm used to a mosh pit. This was more of a posh pit. I was like, yeah, okay, I see that. That is one of the, like, he's coined a phrase that he's done very well. So that, at the front, it was the posh pit. But I was was standing a little bit further back. But the lead singer... um, was going up into the front row of the audience, like literally like singing in people's faces, squeezing up against them and stuff. And we were walking away, not knowing that I had contracted COVID that day, I think, going, oh, I wonder how many times he gets COVID on a tour. Um, because also, it was really like, oh, seems appropriate in it these days. You can't just go and grab a booby and stick your tongue down the, the front row. He was mainly doing it to men. I don't know if that's better. I don't know if that's just kind of... Think? Well, I, I don't know, yeah. but he was doing it. And, yeah, um, yeah but uh, our friend who came over to babysit that night, uh, next morning she tested positive for COVID. A few days later, I got it, and um, there you go. I, this uh, is another gig that you've been to, and something always happens. So I think the law is that you should not have a social life and you should <laughs> not go out, and therefore you will not get ill. Yeah, no Follow me for more health tips. Yeah, okay. No, I think that's a good point. A few weeks ago, I was saying, I, for some reason, I said, oh, we don't go to that many gigs. And now since then, all I talk about on this show is all the gigs that I've been to. So, <laughs> No one likes a show. I'm a liar. Uh, so you're joining the enemy, aren't you? You, you, should be, you should be the enemy's roving Yorkshire reporter. Yeah, why not? Why aren't they going to let me do that? They should do. Although, actually, that does seem quite tiring. It's nice to go to one a week or one a fortnight, maybe one a month. If you had to go every night, we used to back when um, my wife used to work for MTV and I used to work on the radio and used Kerrang. to but Kerrang Radio. We used to get loads of free tickets and yeah. we did used to go to like gigs pretty much every night. And oh my goodness, the twenty years on me is like, how did I ever do that? When did I have a nice <laughs> sit down and a cup of tea? It, it was all speed and glue back then, wasn't it? It's... Must have been. Must have been. So what was your illness? You were sick as well. Yes, I got the illness from you. Uh, I thought it was COVID. I We launched Dadless Old in Brighton on the Thursday night, and I felt a bit grotty, so I was jacking up Barocca and painkillers to get through that. And then I came into work the Friday morning, got to about half past ten, and thought, I just can't. So I spent the next two and a half days in bed i'm testing i was testing negative still am but it just felt like i'd been rolled over by a steamroller um and i i live on my own as well so there's nothing worse than being poorly and being on your own so a big ah i want some sympathy um but it did lead me to you know trying to pass time watching shit films so i i watched rocky five oh wow yeah, that's, that's how desperate I was. <laughs> I'd done my entire playlist and to-do lists and everything. And, yeah, watching the the absolutely shocking acting of Sage Stallone, you know, Rocky Jr. and Tommy Morrison and his redneck ways. Yeah, that didn't put me in a better frame of mind. So, lesson learned, don't watch Rocky Five ever. No, okay. Well, you know, if you've come <laughs> if you've come to this show for advice, don't go to gigs and don't watch Rocky Five. I mean, fairly solid, right? That's I reckon there could be a lot of social prescription done on the NHS with us as an advisory council. If you know, if they want to do some funding, we'll yeah, more than no leaflets, that. just some good old fashioned sense. Yeah, <laughs> good old fashioned common sense. That's what you don't get nowadays, <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, talking about Stice Sloan, because I, it, bless him, he is probably in his mid-70s now, and he still looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that the, he's got this new well, this series of films called The Expendables, where he's just dragged everybody out of the closet and was a, an action hero in the 80s to come back, and he's just done Expendables 4, 
and I think he's just almost signed his own death roll because it only made about four million quid. Right. Okay. That's like um, it's like a more action version of New Tricks, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> BBC Detective Series with stars of yesteryear. <laughs> That's, again, there's another reference there for the kids, isn't yeah. it? Let's have an episode about Call the Midwife while we're at it. Oh God. All creatures great and small. No, so it made me think, right? Basically, Dolph Lundgren, the only, I suppose the only younger one there is Jason Statham, who's probably still got his own knees. <laughs> everybody else has been replaced. So I think, Sly, if you're listening, because obviously you probably would listen to this, is stop the Expendables as it is and do a UK version. Right. Yeah. So my question to you, which 80s or 90s heroes do you think should be in the Expendables UK? Well... Topic for the day. Okay. I've got... There are some suggestions, I think, in terms of uh, muscle and energy that I I think we could go for. But first of all, I want to go for a curveball to start off with. Ralph Mattel. This is... (laughs) That is a curveball, yes. Absolutely. He will take you by the hand and... Take you into the world, Jeffrey of- from Rainbow. Not Jeffrey from Rainbow. I don't. I don't think he was any good at dealing with the chaos of Rod, Jane, and Freddie and Zippy in the same room. That was an odd dynamic, wasn't it? Wow. I mean, just crazy. I'm thinking of someone who can inhabit many different characters. Who's who can be up, who can be down, who can be kind of all over the place, I've making people. It, I've, laugh. Got it, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Nurse Gladys Emanuel from Open All Hours. Oh, so close. So mm-hmm. close. I'm going Ross Abbott. That's who I'm thinking. <laughs> He'd have an atmosphere, wouldn't he? He would have an atmosphere. Uh, there'd be songs of joy and tears of laughter. That's there would need. be. And he could bring in Dustin G. And uh, who's the other fellow that's still around with a blonde hair? Les Dennis. Les Dennis. Yeah, we could all salute Les Dennis because he's got a warm place in my heart uh, after what Amanda Holden did to him. Yeah, exactly. I think um, people might have forgotten it. It's weird, isn't it, how we get this sort of resurgence of popularity after so long. And for him, it was kind of pity, but also like, oh, he seemed to deal with it all right. He was, you know, he was a bit off on Celebrity Big Brother. But yeah, yeah let's welcome, let's welcome Les back in. Come on, Les, you go in. And there's no dark secrets about Les as well. Oh, if there were, they'd have come out by now, wouldn't they? Uh, I think he's clean. He's got to be clean. You can't cancel this, Dennis. Okay, so he he's one. Who else would you bring in with your, your, your A-team of Expendables? So uh, you'd have to go for stars of, I'm thinking, like Gladiators. You'd probably go for yeah. Wolf, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good. Yep. Um, and and maybe, maybe Hunter. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, okay. Hunter was the young one who I imagine is like 60 now. <laughs> like, yeah. There's um, d- during my absolute useful spend of my life, there is a documentary on Netflix that tells a real story of gladiators, the American version, right? The amount of drugs and steroids and bad behavior, and also the way that they were really badly treated. They had like a $200 uh, a week contract and no rights. So all the toys and merch and stuff that they sold, right, they were like, nope, you're not getting any of it. If you complain, you just get sacked and you get replaced. Because there's going to be a bit, another big muscly person ready to take your place. So, you know, yeah. In an instant. That's outrageous. Yeah. Well, I, hope the, I hope the UK ones were treated better. I, I, I don't know. Go on, who else? So you've got the Gladiators. We've got Russ Abbott. Okay, you need someone who's light on their feet, who can uh, make an escape, who can get around, can trick them, and trick the opposition, and can get around them and uh, uh, and get away from those tricky situations. So you Benny need Benny from Top Cat. Maybe Benny from Top Cat would do. Probably. Yep. I was thinking Lionel Blair, but whatever. You know. Lionel Blair. Yeah, I suppose he could give us a clue, wouldn't he? But these are these are these are different sorts of action figures. You know, I was thinking Gene Hunt, Dennis Waterman. And, but you've gone completely in a different way to me. These, these were my 80s heroes. <laughs> hey, do you know what? Lionel your Blair. posters on your wall, right? <laughs> must have really worried your mum and dad. 
<laughs> with you know Lionel Blair I think he's dead now isn't he? he can't libel a dead person he had a bit of a nasty streak behind him right did you, ever, did you hear his um was it his desert island discs and they Go talked on. to him about I'm sorry I haven't a clue and the big running gag on I'm sorry I haven't a clue was to insinuate that Lionel Blair was gay which he wasn't yeah. but he obviously was really annoyed by it and they talked about um Humphrey Littleton and yeah. dying and uh, they asked Lionel Blair what he felt about it and he was like he said something like good riddance to bad rubbish or something like that you know it was a really horrible thing and uh, and that's why now even today on I'm sorry I haven't a clue they've really doubled down on the Lionel Blair jokes just a really <laughs> or they did before he died I don't know if they still do now yeah but I think you know I think he would therefore he'd bring something to the expendables yeah, but, it's um, not an expensive. You've basically just done a chorus line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, you know a what? Chorus Some, line, a bad panto. Sometimes you don't need to go in there with brawn. You need a bit of brain. You need a bit of uh, deft movement around. So Who's that's next? Christopher Dickens. <laughs> oh, you've seen my list then. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that photo from your bedroom again. Um, oh, okay then. Um, Jacko from Brushstrokes. He Jack was a like a Carl lad, wasn't he? Carl yep. Howman, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'd be a decent one. Let's go. Let's go with him. So okay. you don't like my other suggestions. <laughs> well, I don't dislike them. Well. They're just, you know, if it came down to between, you know, us and a war with, you know, Russian terrorists. <laughs> I'm not sure the people that you've named so far would instill me with as much confidence. Right. Okay. Well, let's see your list then. Come on, let's bring your Expendables team and we'll put them together. It'd be like Pokemon. I'll fight your Pokemon and okay. we'll see who wins. Right. I'd have Bodian Doyle from the Professionals. Oh, yeah. That's quite good. Okay. Yeah. Just that. mainly, uh, I actually had a thing about Bodian Doyle because I had curly air. So, uh, always had to be Doyle when we were playing it. And, Everybody else was had short hair, so I, that triggers me from there. Right, going back to my youth. Um, who else would I have that would be really, really tough? Timmy Mallet. Okay. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Mallet's Mallet. So having to go at my choices, you're having Timmy Mallet. But he was tolled up. He was. He was like. <laughs> he he was, was like Ray Winston in Scum. Okay. Have you seen my tool? Yes, I have. Mallet's Mallet. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen your tool implement <laughs> accessory weapon <laughs> let's not keep Tim well let's keep Timmy Mallet's weapons out of this this is for the boys and girls at home let's not darken their memories too much yeah oh you know who would be good go on John Thor in the Sweeney like it yeah he'd be great weird thing about the Sweeney, right? If you watch them, if you're ever bored or unemployed and you get to watch IT4, ITV4 at a daytime, they show all those old episodes. But John Thor and Dennis Waterman, Dennis Waterman was in his 30s and John Thor was in his early 40s. And they all look so much older. So it made me think people of our age back then looked a lot older. Yes, there is a great Twitter account called 80s Football... Is it 80s Footballers Aging Badly? Something yeah. like that. And it gives you the picture of the footballer and tells you their age. And it's always like, this guy was 28 and he looks like he's about 60. It's like, how did that happen? I don't think it was a balanced diet and a healthy outlook, no. was it? It was 15 pints down the pub every night. There were fewer nutrition nutritionists and things, I would imagine, than there are yes. nowadays. To round it all off, I would... Probably we need some strength, we need some charisma, we need some looks. Who would uh, Benny from Crossroads? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I like the idea of him, uh, him being like the odd job where he could take that beanie hat off and spin it at someone and knock their head off or something, or he could call Miss <laughs> Diane and she yes. comes all it all out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. that's another great skill, right, isn't it? Also, the other one that definitely need is Gripper Stepson from Grangeville. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely petrified of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I almost didn't want to watch Grangehill because I was so scared. 
And then later, what was that girl called? Imelda something. Oh, she yeah, she'd spike it. Yeah. Really? Absolutely petrified me, yeah. I'm on a, um, like a, a Grain Chill fans Facebook group, which I shouldn't be. But again, I, I am. So we have lots of well, other people have conversations. I just jump in and out. And I actually ended up going to a Grain Chill cast reunion about five or six years ago as part of the 40th anniversary. And I got to interview Roland and some of the other cast. And it was really interesting that the, if you think that the part that Gripper played, right, but he was a young actor, but he was almost became a poster boy for the National Front mm. uh, with all the, the sort of political stuff that was going on there. He was just pushed out into the world and offered no support. A couple of years down the liner, Zamo starts chasing the dragon and he had lots of lots of support. So as a young actor, they both played incredible, incredibly believable parts, but there was an abject lack of, I suppose, awareness in the care that those kids might have needed. Because that's a big thing to do, isn't it? When you're going through, um, you know, because they're, they're obviously that age, so they were going through those sort of issues, I guess, at school. Then they were playing these things out, and then they had the public reaction. You know, you're walking down the street, you see Griff, Gripper Stenson walking down the street, you're going to be, oh! Or some people will go up and yeah. go, all right, cool, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah it's if so you strange, think they were getting maybe 14, 15 million viewers mm. because it was only three or four channels and there was no social media, they were absolutely so, so famous of their at their time. You know, they, they couldn't have, you know, they couldn't have escaped it. Mm. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I've got a, I've got a very soft spot for Grainshaw and the, the badly put together scenes and scenery that <laughs> held the child. So yeah, I would have brought Gripper in, but then got Gripper beaten up uh, for his racial overtones. Fair play, and uh, you know, thoroughly deserved, right? He ab- absolutely. So we've done illness. We've done eighties heroes. What have we got next? There is something we need to talk about. Uh oh, we need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about school. Ooh, go on and go on. Tell us about school. School costs a lot of money, doesn't it? it yeah, but you're sending your kids to East. No, well, that's, so that's it. That's probably yeah. why. Yeah, have you seen the price of top hats nowadays? <laughs> the straw boaters has gone through the roof, haven't they? Absolutely it? outrageous. Plus fours, <laughs> plus tens, more like. <laughs> So what what is that? The stationery or uniforms? Or well, this what? is the thing. They go, oh, you know, we've we supply anything you need. So no stationery. You don't have to pay for that sort of stuff. But then, within a couple of weeks of them going back to school, like Friday, when I was in the midst of COVID hell and I was trying to work out where my brain was, I was just bombarded with emails from school going, oh, can you pay for this and for this? And do you want some of this as well and pay for this? I ended up with sort of between school trips and tickets for events and other various school-based activities. I ended up paying £97 to my kid's school on Friday. £97. It's like... We do have free state education, but it's Run not free. Yeah, it's actually going to cut out of it. Yeah, and I was just—I couldn't believe it. Ninety-seven pounds in one go. Like, oh my God. I know, but you know, bless our education system and the, the massively—I uh, love our teachers—the massively underfunded, under-resourced. I know they have to keep asking for money, but it does put a lot of weight on us as parents mm. yeah, exactly the, the the same position and you want your kids to have these lovely experiences and not to be the ones that miss out but then there's a huge guilt attached to that as well wouldn't there yeah completely there really is and the, like nowhere on that circle really is there you, you can see it from all points of view you know there are teachers i would imagine most teachers put quite a bit of their own money into resources because there's not enough money for resources yeah and then they want to add those extra bits. And my kid's school is brilliant, by the way, absolutely yeah. brilliant. And, the, you know, the opportunities that they get are amazing. But, oh, my goodness, maybe just, like, spread it out over a few weeks, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, But then, I suppose, that the, the admin behind it says, like, let's just whack it all in one. And we don't have, you know, because there's 57 emails you get every single day mm-hmm. from the year school. But I suppose it, 
it's not just the school's fault, it's the kids' fault. And I think really we should look at the kids being the ones to blame because they are there. They don't really care and they keep on growing. Yes. So even though you might have bought the uniforms and stuff like that, a couple of weeks later they've had a growth spurt and they look ridiculous in their uniforms. They've got to buy another one. So if yes. the kids stop growing, we've just got to, need to stop feeding them, stop funding them. Right. Yeah, no, that works. Answer. We're, I think we're getting, we're working our way down to saving a lot of money on that, aren't we? We so. are. Do you think we should join or start a political party and have this as our sort of manifesto? Don't feed kids. Yes, I think it's a vote winner. Boris Johnson loved a three-word slogan, didn't he? <laughs> Don't feed kids. Don't feed kids. Don't feed kids. It's, uh, I mean, it's conference season. We might have missed the Tory one, but we could get on to the other two parties, see what they say. It can but help, can't it? It can but help. I've got to say, my son's just had a, a very expensive pair of trainers gone missing, and he's only been in high school probably four weeks. So you've got a question, have they been pinched? Have they been hidden for a you know a joke? And I was like, well, I want to find out the kid who did this, and I'm going to send his parents an invoice. Mm. So it's actually don't care, but I'm not forking out for more stuff. No, exactly, and that's it. And it is, you know, something's happened there, hasn't it? They don't just disappear. So, no. but it's just getting to the bottom of what's happened. Also, trying to get any sense out of kids. It's, yes. Oh God. Seth lost his rain jacket within the first few days of school. And yeah. it was like, when did you last have it? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> they have micro memories, don't they? Yeah. Or the yeah. reverse of micro memories. Like, what do you do there? Don't know. What do you eat? No, no. no nothing. I, I have nothing. That actually leads me on to, I think, you know, starting school again in the new year. It's kind of a, it's a weird territory to sort of negotiate, isn't it? From you've got a, like my lad has gone from being a big fish in a small pond at primary to mm. being an absolute minnow. And then you've got to find out you, you know, your place in the pecking order and stuff like that. And it was hard. Did you have a successful, healthy time at high school or senior school? Um, yeah, eventually I did. Um, the first couple of weeks was a bit odd. Um, it was it was weird because we moved down to Essex just before I moved to secondary school. And then the primary school that I was at, it was easier for me to go to the one that my mum worked at, which wasn't near where I lived. So I made a few friends there, but yeah. then then I went to secondary school and there were that none of them went there because they were all going to a different one. Yeah. And so I had to start making friends again at this secondary school. And I think there was one, like, I think one of the first few days at secondary school, I was genuinely very ill. I was, like, vomiting all over the place. And I had to have the day off, which is not ideal, one of your first few days off. Yeah. And then I probably stretched that out a little bit longer than I needed to. And so my first few weeks... At We're in the fourth year. School, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, my parents are very understanding. <laughs> they gave you a bottle of Lucas, I put the telly on and went to work. Well, that was it because it was the, uh, it was, no, it was the early 90s that would have been. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I like, I didn't, I'd, I was off for quite a bit of time. And, and actually, when I got in, it was fine and I made friends. And, you know, I don't know if it's the same everywhere. Yeah, I wasn't particularly. I don't think I was bullied actually at all, um, even though I was quite a spotty kid. Yeah. But um, but it's just you know whether the atmosphere is anti-work and anti like they'll do everything. Like there's a big group of people, and it's always the cool kids who will do anything they can not to do the actual work and. You're meant to buy into that culture where it's like, oh, I'm not bothered, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And it's really difficult when you're like me and you actually, you know, you kind of want to do well. Yeah. You've got to fight against that. And I don't really know how that happens or how anyone does anything about that. But um, I guess it's something, a challenge that you have to take. But it might not even be the case anymore. I don't know. But it seemed to be when I was at school, there was this like, if you wanted to be regarded as a cool kid, you had to really not do any work and then just like slack off at the back. And it's like, I tell you what, school would probably actually go a bit quicker if I was just doing the work. It would be a lot easier. <laughs> and you get a lot less detentions. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, exactly. So I don't know. So that was the like. I know that you know people have horrific experiences, and some people have really lovely experiences. For me, it was a bit like it was trying to always battle against that prevailing mood that you know oh, works for for losers. Yeah. And um, you know, and I, th- I think that you know those kids probably had to. The, the irony is that. I was probably working hard going, all right, I'm going to make something. I'm not going to fall into that trap. And they fell behind and then I had to panic and do lots of work at the end. But actually, eventually, they've probably gone into jobs where they're earning loads more money than me (laughs) and doing a lot more than me (laughs) in the end. So they're probably a lot more successful. So actually, maybe that was the attitude to have. Who knows? I went into my, my senior school into a form where I didn't, I knew one other kid because all of my mates at primary had all gone to very different schools mm. um, and it was horrible really really horrible and I sort of fell in with a couple of the really naughty kids and became really really naughty because it was almost strength in numbers mm. but there was one lad who was really really vile to me and he, he, I used to have a quite a hair trigger temper and he, he figured this out quite quickly so he would wind me up and so I'd kick off and get into trouble and have lots of fights mm. And it was actually only into about six months in that the, the my form tutor had had enough of me and moved me into a completely different form. Right. So I had to go into a different form with this existing reputation. So all of the nice kids in that form were worried about me. Um, I had to almost re- completely reinvent myself. Uh, but saying that those two other lads, one ended up going to prison several times and the other one is dead through drugs. So I actually, that teacher making that decision to remove me actually saved my life. And I became not an A grade two, because I'm still a massive pain in the arse, (laughs) really was. Uh, But I became friends with different kids that had different outlooks. Mm. So I was able to think, I think had I not, I would have gone a very bad way. It really, it's really interesting, isn't it? How the people that you hang around with can really affect the, I mean, yeah, the the course of your life. That's crazy. How are you dealing with that with your lad then? How are you guiding him? Because obviously you could tell him all that, but will he listen? No, I've been been quite honest with him. Um, Yeah, I I do use a lot of humour to say, look, this is what you don't do in life. Mm. the idea of these detentions and I got suspended several times and then he got expelled and all kinds of stuff. But he's actually a bit of a teacher's pet. He's very good academically. He's very sporty. He He's quite a good-looking kid, even though I say it myself. So I don't think he'll have many of those issues. And fortunately, the class he's gone into is five of his existing mates have gone into already. So he's already got you know, a peer group, and there's loads of lads that he plays football with in different forms. So I think they've already got a game. He's already had sleepovers and stuff. So I think he's got... Um, I do worry about peer pressure as he gets older, you know. Um, this is a weird thing for him, right? Do you think it's worse today than it was? Because, you know, you get these big big outcries on social media... Uh, mm. about youth violence and stuff like that. But I'm thinking, actually, the people making all the noise about this were probably 50s teddy boys that were, you know, razoring up the cinemas to rock around the clock. But they were mods and rockers rioting, or they had their own, you know, youth cults throughout these different decades. It just, you had a, a folk devils and moral panic then. But do you think the situation is a lot worse now, or it's just that? more heightened awareness about it yeah I'd, I'd hesitate to say it was worse than it's been because you know i'm sure we've all seen terrible things from when we were kids yeah you know unless you went to the nicest possible school like in unicorn land or something yeah um but then you know that's it like how would anyone know the stuff that happened when we were at school outside of that school you know you'd talk about it maybe but parents wouldn't ever see because you wouldn't say to your parents oh yeah dave was there and he punched uh barry in the toilet cracked his head open on the cistern because you you wouldn't say that because you'd yeah. panic your parents they'd tell you not to hang out with dave 
And then, you know, the school wouldn't exactly advertise that because, oh, by the way, uh, great news. Uh, one of the kids got his head stoved in today. Yeah. So that, that was all kind of kept on the down low. You kind of knew it was happening. Mm. And there was one kid at my school who, I've, he said he did it. Other people have said he did it. I hope he kind of didn't do it. But he put, he tried, he put in sulfuric acid into the science teacher's kettle. And no. yeah, and he, I mean, he was wild. Um, and the science teacher, the story was the science teacher boiled it and she was like, mm, that's not boiling water, that's slightly acidic. And, and tested it and was like, oh my God, someone did this. I mean, whether it really happened or not, you don't know, but it's one of those things where that's certainly not something I went home and went, um, <laughs> mum and dad. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, used to, I used to love our science lessons. Right? Well, a, they shouldn't let us anywhere near Bunsen burners mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But what we'd do, we'd get the tongs, get a 50p, heat the 50p up right, over the Bunsen burner and then stick it on the floor. Somebody would walk past you and think, oh, look, there's 50p. <laughs> Go to grab it and get third degree burns. Oh, oh how we laughed. <laughs> oh, how we laughed. Ouch, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Do you have a musical interlude before I get myself into trouble? Yes, let's um, do it. I think we've got another five minute of fun from DJ Trick and our lovely mate, uh, Cy Cannon from the Get It Together DJ crew. They did a brilliant uh, workshop for the dads and kids here on Saturday. So it was kids and dads actually learning how to scratch and mix using actual vinyl. Wow. Like the old days. And kids actually, oh, what's this record thing? So it's, <laughs> it, it was a bit of history. So let's have a, a musical interlude before I end up on charges. Oh!
so that was the wonderful get together boys doing some of that scratching and mixing stuff for us so jim question mm-hmm. for you you yes. need to tell me what you're struggling with having to celebrate some wins to lift this up so i know you're probably struggling with the the cost of school mm-hmm. what else are you struggling with my friend tell your uncle dan COVID 19 obviously yeah um so yeah well, last week one of the things that i've been struggling with that hopefully has also then got a positive outcome and maybe even an even more positive outcome is the state of uh, the football club is Scunthorpe United Football Club. Now, um, I'm not one of those kind of crazy devotees where it's my entire life and, you know, I've got a footballer as a avatar on all my social media because football is everything. Um, it's, you know, it's... Um, something that I enjoy, something that I like. But this week, uh, Scunthorpe United have had a really big issue. The, the person who owns the club has gone, nah, not going to spend any money on it anymore. I'm not going to pay any bills. Um, not going to pay the players or anything. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. Oh, we're not going to be in the ground either because we can't, we can't reach a deal to buy the ground, so we're going to have to move to a different club. And basically, this is the sort of start of that football club not existing anymore and there's a thing you know where the the old bill uh, was it bill shankly quote yeah it was because some people say football is a matter of life and death but they're wrong it's much more important than that and it kind of is and it isn't logically it's not but we don't live in a logical world for the community of scunthorpe where i'm from it's absolutely devastating if that club moves out of the the town if that club dies that's you know three or four thousand people that's their thing they do on a Saturday afternoon. That's the thing. It's generations of living and social history as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, I went with my dad and my granddad and, you know, and I've taken my children along as well. And and there's all that. And then, you know, there were these things because it looked very, very bleak at one point. Um, and there were things like they had... It, when the club turned 100, they made this wall of... Uh, it's called the Centenary Wall... And they got people to buy bricks to put in there with messages on. And, um, you know, people bought them for their dead uh, relatives and in honour of them. And the club's now not going to play at the home ground. Well, fingers crossed they'll sort something out. But if they do leave that ground, what happens to those? And people were saying, you know, what? What can I do? How do I also? How do I explain this to my eight-year-old? That the team that we've started going to see, that we, you know, we have that bond together. That's our Saturday afternoon thing together. How am I going to explain to them that this club is not going to be playing at home anymore? There's not. It's not going to be convenient to get there, and possibly won't even exist. You know, it's it's really strange. But from that, and from that kind of really horrible sort of gut punch there was something really beautiful and um there's a couple of podcasts uh scunthorpe united podcasts and they've teamed up and because the staff hadn't been paid they did a fundraiser to raise some money to pay the staff and they've raised i think about sixty-five thousand pounds as we're recording Ooh. right now um in order to pay the staff you know it shouldn't be the case you shouldn't have to fundraise for a football team staff that shouldn't be what it is but the owner in his great wisdom has decided not to pay any bills um so it was kind of beautiful to see that come together it wasn't just the town came together but it did uh, so there was it was really nice the town came together sort of scunthorpe celebrities came together there's not many of them um the bloke off strictly kevin clifton he donated a grand you know it's yeah. um and there were uh, the the chairman and the owner of our local rivals Grimsby Town they donated money as well and it's That's it was it was a sort of beautiful coming together. You need Brian Reynolds or somebody similar, don't you? We just need anyone with a couple of quid. Um, you're from you're from the south. There must be a load yeah. of them down there. <laughs> I'm in the posh bit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, it's weird. Our our local team is Brighton. And that has had an incredible transformation over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years from, again, they lost their ground, they were sharing it, and they've just grown and grown and grown to be probably one of the most profitable teams in the Premier League. Um, and that that is a, a, it's a proper heart and soul of the community mm. as well. The, the ground is nearby. It's really invested. There's the Albany community. They do a load of great outreach work. 
So, yeah, it's it's tough, but <clears throat> playing devil's advocate, we don't know what the personal situation is of the guy in charge, and it's a hell of a, was it heavy is the weight that holds the crown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I would say only took over in January, probably should have some, done some due diligence, but still, whatever. <laughs> oh, there was me trying to be nice. No, yeah. hang him, hang him, hang him. Yeah, hang him, hang him, hang him, indeed. It's funny, actually, that Brighton thing. I remember seeing, I've been to see Scunny at Brighton a couple of times when they were at, they were at the Withdean Stadium, the, yep. like the old athletics track thing that they were in for a few years yeah. where there was no atmosphere because it was all open up to the it was just and it was always raining as well when i went and it was yeah and there is there was someone was sharing actually um apparently 14 years ago the other day uh Scunthorpe beat brighton 4-1 <laughs> and uh, they were going hmm, things are slightly different nowadays <laughs> it shows i suppose uh, the level of commitment of the tony bloom uh, the chairman and the, the senior management team have really yeah, that they live and breathe. You know, I suppose if you cut them, they're coming out blue and white. Mm. Um, but football is big business these days. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, well, so it's not about the heart and soul of the community. It's about can they turn a few quid off the yeah, off the end of it. Yeah, which is interesting. Isn't it? That Brighton seems to be the, uh, one of the only teams really that anyone ever talks about as being both of those things profitable and also community focused as well yeah, I, think, I think they're very ethical and also very smart business people because they keep just selling players for millions and millions of pounds mm -hmm. and still getting results off the back of it yeah impressive very impressive yeah, move down itself what are you struggling with dan what am i getting older that actually that the realization that a lot of my friends are turning 50. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been in, which is lovely, been invited to lots of uh, 50th birthday parties. And I realised these are people that I actually went to school with. So it's on the horizon, not quite yet. Mm. But yeah, um, trying to rearrange or trying to arrange a get together with my one of my oldest pals who lives in Bristol and our other mutual mate that we all went to college together. We were very tight through our, our 20s. But I think probably the last time I saw them was my dad's funeral which is about eight years ago mm -hmm. so I said, let's come together for Bobby's 50th doing you go yeah we do this we do that we do that I said that all sounds really exhausting can't we just go for something bite to eat said, no, we'll get right on it so no we won't no things that I don't drink I don't do this and, oh no 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 so, we're not 20 anymore yes so the shock is slightly different yeah shocking realization that that is it's it's a landmark, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, when when those, because it each of those sort of zero ending birthdays hits, but when you still even forty, you still think, well, people said life begins at forty, right? But yeah, fifty just does seem you're on the way out, aren't you? It does seem pretty old, but obviously, as we were saying, that's probably coloured by the fact that when. You know, when we were growing up in the 80s or whatever, 50 was old. It was ancient. You know, it was you were absolutely just hanging on until you could retire. And then, you know, hopefully you'd have a few years after that. But the average lifespan was probably about 34. So it <laughs> probably was. was really, really bloody good, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think I look my age. I certainly don't act my age, except for first thing in the morning when I'm trying to get out of bed and not make a noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, that's uh, so I've, I've still got a good mm, 10 months before it happens to me but yeah that it's it's a time to ponder and reflect about where the old did the time go because you know they're going to sing don't they the older you get quicker the years go yeah and it really is red summer it's going to be christmas yeah like how did it get into october what was yeah. that what how what's all that about what is it all about having the police outside when you're trying to record a radio show? Yeah, I know, yeah. exactly. They could at least hold off. If the criminals of Worthing would just hold off just for a small amount of time... So then... selfish. So selfish. And if somebody's dying, maybe I'll give it a shot. But, oh, well, so, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm struggling. Um, what I'm celebrating, I suppose, was the, uh, the launch of Dad the Soul Brighton. So we do our play dates over there. We have them for a year. <laughs> And then we did our launch in uh, the dad's only one 
in our lovely friend's office in Pelinet. And it was lovely. We had 30 odd blokes there. And some guys who had English as a, not as a first language, you know, complete bunch of strangers. Mm-hmm. And everybody got away, got along very nicely. We did a really interesting Q&A with a guy called Jason Baker, who we need to get onto the, the sessions. And he was sharing his story about uh, becoming an alcoholic and his subsequent recovery. And that was really interesting because it was a group of blokes and, you know, we'd had free beer. But it's a difference about how those social situations change about going to the you know to the pub and people giving you a hard time because you don't drink there is more I suppose education about you know what they call it um sober stigma mm. so, oh why are you drinking you'll just have a pint and you know there were some idiotic comments that came out of the the q a but a lot of people were reevaluating their relationship with alcohol so you know do you really need that extra bottle of wine or he said it's the what's it something like the oxo and garlic oh, i'm just popping down the shop because i need some garlic mm. and then you happen to get a can or a bottle of wine you never needed that in the first place so yeah it's about say re-evaluating your relationship with alcohol especially as you get older um so yeah i was very proud of the people that turned up and our partners and yeah it was a really successful night bloody exhausting when you're yeah. on duty yes of course yeah you have to actually be perky you can because we always say you know you can come to one of these dads only nights and you don't need to get involved if you don't want to you could no. sit and right but you can't you have to do it <laughs> no but it was lovely because it like got there was people there that i knew through the business community there's people that i used to work with in a much you know previous life that go oh, really like what you're doing and i'm turning up and i'm hearing their stories about fatherhood and getting to see these people in a, you know, a completely different life and a very different, you know, side to their story. So, yeah, I'm really interested in pursuing that, and we get some really high quality guest speakers. So the idea is, if three hours of a youth club for the dads to hang out, have a beer or have a tea, play some games, and then almost have a TEDx level, TEDx level speaker come in and do a Q and A about a particular social issue. So. That as a an option or an opportunity does not exist. So we are continuously groundbreaking. So I'm very happy and very proud about that. Cool. Well, go to dadlessoul.com for more details on that sort of thing. And don't expect me to be happy when you see me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am celebrating a... There's a band from Leeds. They're called yeah. Hope and Social. And they are... One is, most... It leads the land of hope. And... Yes, there's, there's there's much hope and some socialness yeah. in Leeds. They are just they're, they're like a, a properly joyous act that have been around for years. They've never got the success they deserve. It's absolutely gutting for them that they've never had that success because they're exceptional musicians. They're brilliant songwriters. They're lovely people. They put on a great show. They put on interesting shows as well. They'd always do a special Christmas thing. So one Christmas, they uh, got people to get train tickets, met them at... uh, In fact, no, they met them at a a train station, gave them tickets and said, we're going somewhere special. We'll put on a show wherever we turn up. Um, And, you know, they do all these sort of things. Wow. Um, And they, they really put a lot of effort into everything that they do. And they're just, they're, they're at a stage where they can tour and they can sell out a tour uh, playing, you know, all right venues, but, you know, they've never actually got the recognition they deserve. And then last year, um, there was some terrible news and it was the, the lead singer Simon had got this rare form of leukemia and he was very, very poorly. He was really ill. And so the band just had to stop. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't do anything. And, you know, having obviously already had to stop because of COVID, yeah, you know, yeah. it was pretty bad for them, uh, but there was nothing else they could do. The only gig they did last year was like a Christmas gig where um, Simon obviously wasn't there because he was still really poorly. Um, they they did a few of the songs and it was, it was kind of a low-key thing. It wasn't really a proper gig. Uh, and they were basically saying, we probably wouldn't be here, but we've got van insurance we need to pay for. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was a great, it was really nice and it was lovely. And Simon's wife turned up and she gave a really lovely speech and, you know, just talked about how he's, you know, keeping his head up and his chin up and, you know, trying to get through it. And, you know, it's... 
there's not been a lot of news from him. He, he started, you know, he, he posted that he was getting better, but he, it really affected his voice and he didn't know whether he'd be able to sing again. However, uh, in the last week or so, they have announced they are playing a gig with the full band. He's back. He's going to be singing. And so next month they're going to be playing live again, which is just such a lovely thing. And it's, that's something I'm really celebrating because I'm very excited about it. They are one of my favorite bands. I am unaware of their back catalogue, so would you educate me and play something from this popular beat combo? Let's do that. This is a song. This is from about 10 years ago, but it is a really good song. Uh, it's called All Our Dancing Days by Hope and Social. Hope and so Social. I keep saying Hope and Soap. 
Hoping so. It's like the conversation we had the, the last episode where you're mixing up bad names like your man does. It's just <laughs> you've just told me you've mentioned the name three or four times in the space of a couple of minutes, and I've still got it wrong. Hope and soap sounds good. They, they, maybe that could be a little merchandising opportunity for them. You never know, right? On a rope. Yeah, hope and soap on a rope. Hope and soap, sure. And they can work on it. Like that's for them to do. It's not. I'm not. You know, I'm not getting paid. Am I? You've still got your comedy show to organise, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's... no. Um... <laughs> Accountability is going well. Well, I was going to go on to do these uh, these daily videos, but I've been ill. So anyway, um, but yeah, that that was what I was celebrating. Anyway, hope and social back. Simon, the lead singer, he can sing, and he's going to do a gig, and it's great. I well, you should get them along to Scunthorpe United, and they could do a show together in the ground. Yeah. If well, if the ground still exists, <laughs> well, if the ground still exists, yeah, that's the other. But going back, I don't think you know my casual racism. Is it a massively, you know, is there money in the redevelopment, or is it just gonna if if the the, the club go, is that almost like pulling a uh, you know one of the coal pits out of the community? Will the community really just die and flatten out? Well, it's a it's a town where the main um, industry is the steelworks, and that's getting smaller and smaller, yeah. and will eventually just close, which has already devastated the town. So I guess the football is like the recreation. So that's the that's the distraction from the death of the industry. Or they've all gone into stripping, like the full Monty. Well, you know what? That could well be the way forward. I don't know. Um, so it will be. It'll be. For the cultural life of the town, for the history of the town, it'll be it'll be really sad. Um, the redevelopment for the owner of the ground, yeah, he would yeah. probably make a few quid on that because it's down where there's a, a load of sort of retail estates and stuff. So, yeah, we can but see. But we are coming to the end. So what else is coming up with Dadler Soul now, Jim? Well, when we record this, uh, yeah. there is a Dadler Soul Sessions coming up but by the time this is out the Dadler Soul Sessions will have happened so go watch on YouTube uh, the live stream with Chris Humphreys from the Male Survivors Partnership uh, talking about how they support uh, male victims of sexual abuse and what they do and how their work continues and, and how they're sort of going to go into the future and what their plans are and how you can support what they do as well. So that's something we've been doing. Dadless Soul Sessions happens every month. It was slightly delayed this month because of the COVID-19. Because of your crap excuses. Yes. You were out seeing a band. That was it, yeah. That's all I do nowadays. I just go and see bands. All right. Okay. Um, we got a dad joke. Have you got? Oh a dad yeah, joke? yeah. Oh no, I've not. But I can. I'll, I'll think of one. Okay, I've got one for you before we finish. Right. Okay. I saw this fella going up a hill with a wheelbarrow. It was full of horseshoes, four-leaf clovers, and rabbit's feet. I thought, oh, he's pushing his luck. Hey. <laughs> you know, I saw a man the other day who reminded me of my dad. He said, "Don't forget your dad." <laughs> Oh, right. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> how are the movies Titanic and The Sixth Sense alike? I don't know. Icy dead people. Oh, very good. You pulled it back round. We're ending on a high. We're uh, ending on a high. That was a good one. But that's also any you know survivors of the Titanic. This is probably too soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I apologise for my crassness. I mean, you'd have to be at least 111 years old. <laughs> and that would have meant you were born on the Titanic, so... <laughs> OK, I just wanted to make sure, because the last thing we want to do is be crass yeah. and unfeeling. <laughs> yes. So we will endeavour never to offend people who were on the Titanic. Yes. I, I think that, that that's a good way to say last year, isn't it? Yeah, but if, if you didn't let a bloke that you just met and had an affair with on that door, uh, then you are selfish. Um, <laughs> let's remember that. Again, there's another reference there for the kids, isn't there? Yes, exactly. Brilliant. So this has been the Dad the Soul uh, Extra Time Show. I've been Jim. He, I've been Jim. We could do that one week. We could pretend. We could swap roles. Oh, oh, now you're getting kinky. I like mm. it. I like it. Um, there are plenty more of these shows 
in the archives so do listen uh to please do do that liking and subscribing and if you enjoy the cutter Roger, please do write a little uh comment or share it with your pals because if we get more than the four listeners um that would be kind of nice actually there was a, a dad that's only i bumped into randomly in uh the supermarket on sunday and we had a little chat and he sent me a message oh just wanted to say how much i am listening how much i am enjoying the shows he found them really really funny so that's another person that has got a very worrying sense of humor yeah perfect i mean we're going to collect them all in one place it's like a government scheme to get all the people with that sense of humor in one place so they can do what they want with them it's an intervention it could be a scientific experiment of what could possibly go wrong or right perfect well we know what we're going to do don't we because we've already explained that we're going to uh, form our own political party don't feed kids don't feed kids don't feed kids i can see a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> right on that note should we go before we absolutely get massively bollocked by yeah. grown-ups yeah let's do that okay thank you very much for listening until next time boys and girls ta-ra